Hello and welcome to the third installment of the Bonafide Basketball Podcast. I'm Jay Sauce here with Rod. Hot Rod, how's it going? What's good, Jay Sauce? It's great. We just had a great finals. I couldn't be happier with the way it turned out. (laughs) But those were some great games. What are your initial thoughts? Yeah, I think end result of the finals, like, yeah, it was 4-1. But the last three games, they were great games. Definitely. Looking back, the last podcast we did, I believe, was game one with an intro to game two. So we got a few games to cover here. Going all the way back to game three, I guess, because two was kind of like one, not as bad of a blowout, but it kind of lopsided. Getting back to three, that was an insane game. That was a close game. I think Cleveland had control most of the game. Not until the fourth quarter, the Warriors put on a little run. I'm sure everyone's seen those highlights of KD hitting that game winner. And then we got game four, where Cleveland just played a perfect game. You couldn't ask for a better game if you're Cleveland, if you're Ty Lue, if you're Braun. And then, obviously, game five, the Cavs started off strong. Started off really strong. But... The Warriors went on a little run in the second quarter, and the rest is history. Yeah, they went on a huge run in the second quarter of Game 5. Uh, the Cavs were up 8 at the beginning of the quarter, and they ended up being down 17 at one point in the quarter. Well, let's get to a little bit about who showed up and who didn't. Because when I think about this Cavaliers team, I guess this is mainly focused on the Cavaliers. We can get into the Warriors a little bit, but they ended up winning. So I guess all the, you know, winning takes all the pressure off you. But looking at the Cavaliers, I mean, K-Love had some big games, you know, game four, where he shot a great percentage, had 23 points. Going to game five, you look at the stat line and six points, 0 for 3 from 3. Game 5, what really messed him up was getting into early foul trouble. He's really the first one out of the first five games that got into foul trouble, and it kind of ruined like his game. Like We've seen Draymond get into foul trouble and yeah. KD and Steph, and it didn't really hurt their games as much as it did Kevin Love last night. Yeah, and especially with the way Kevin Love has played for this game, Cavaliers team he's definitely a a guy who plays off Kyrie and LeBron a lot more when you look back at his days in Minnesota he was the creator he'd be the beneficiary of a pick and roll the go-to option now he's forced to be that kind of shooter player on the wing when he's not hitting them early he gets in foul trouble his minutes have to be spread out over a longer time he only played 30 minutes in game five the shots just aren't there if they're not falling early. It's tough. I mean, he still did his job rebounding. You know, he's he's been very consistent at that in the finals. But you got to wonder if Kevin Love has a 25-point a game, do they lose? I mean, they might still lose, but maybe it's a closer game. I don't know. Yeah, especially when LeBron and Kyrie has it cooking. Like, K-Love, if he's hitting shots too, then you get the results that you get that we got in game four where they were all on fire at one point I think they all had 20 points at halftime that just that just shows the kind of firepower that they can have if all three are clicking at the same time 
I totally agree. I mean, when you look at even J.R. Smith in Game 5, like, he almost took place of what Kevin Love dropped. For example, Kevin Love only had 6 points, but J.R. Smith had 25. Getting 25 from J.R. Smith, that's way more than you'd expect at this point in his career and at this stage. I mean, looking at the first few games, you were telling me this off-air earlier. J.R. Smith went from trade bait to okay I think he's less tradable than Kevin Love even I mean he's hit shots when he needed to and he did what J.R. Smith is expected to do and so I thought he really bounced back because we were saying all series that he had to be an x-factor if Kevin Love isn't being that third guy even if J.R. Smith does his job it was obviously nine points not enough. J.R. actually kept them in the game in my opinion, when they looked like they were drowning in the water, especially when he hit those two threes at the end of the half to make it from 17 to 11 and just made it look like a better halftime score. JR does have a better job security with the Cavs now than K-Love. Mm-hmm. Due to this finals performance and also like, I believe like K-Love's more tradable because of his liability on defense and how Golden State plays. When they go small, like the Cavs like to keep Tristan Thompson and K-Love on the floor, but they can't because the Warriors are running around with four guards and Draymond, but Draymond's basically a guard as well. So you're running around with five guards and K-Love's too slow and can't really move with those guys. So he becomes a liability on defense. 100%. Losing this finals... Now the Cavs have some major questions. When you look at the East, if they don't change one thing on their team, they'll be back to the finals unless something drastic happens in the rest of the conference, whereas maybe the Celtics get a Gordon Hayward, a Paul George, a Jimmy Butler. I don't know. Otherwise, they're looking at at the same type of easy road back. But once they reach the Warriors in the finals again, if the Warriors make it back, which there's no reason they should not. They have to make some sort of a change. Just think back to after LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosch's first year with the Heat. They got better the next year. Imagine yeah. this team next year, this Warriors team, with a year under their belt, the confidence of a championship. I wouldn't be surprised if they even take a lesser regular season as they did this year. You know, two years ago, they won the most games ever. Last year with KD... They had a great year, but I could see them even doing the old flip the switch thing where they're just hanging on till the playoffs. They'll probably still get the number one seed and then try to flip the switch and do what LeBron, Wade, and Bosh did for a few years in Miami. But I think the difference between the two, the Heat lost the first year, so they came back super hungry for that championship and with Durant and the Warriors now getting so much success the first year together I I just don't see them coming back as hungry I mean they have the talent and they're a great team so they win just by default but I I don't know if they come back as hungry will they be in the finals most likely now I want to talk about something that a change that was made in game four which was something we had talked about before on this podcast, something that I had brought up, and I was wondering, why isn't LeBron checking KD? And in Game 4, starting from the first tip, LeBron was on KD, and I think that set the tone early, 
And that's what ended up being the deciding factor. Now, KD still got his numbers, but he was not going to the hole hard like he was. You notice LeBron stepped himself up on D, and it's one of those things that carries over to the whole team. Like when you see your best player taking on that kind of challenge, everyone else wants to play that much harder, that much tougher on defense. And I think it sparked their whole team and the intimidation factor over the Warriors. Shumpert was harassing Curry in game four, and it was just a different level of intensity on that side of the floor, which I think is ultimately why they won that game. Yeah, I totally agree. I think having LeBron on KD definitely helped set the tone game four. But I also believe like having that lead also helped as well because at home having a lead, therefore LeBron can like rest a little bit and not worry as much about scoring or facilitating and worry about defense. But on the road in Golden State where your role players don't usually play as well, I felt like he was forced to do both. And as you saw in game two, like he was gassed by halftime. I think that's where Richard Jefferson's defense in game four and five were valuable to the Cavs. Uh, I think he did great job for his age and his size deficiencies against KD. You know, Richard Jefferson, uh, you know, he's probably listening to this and he's probably going to come at me for saying this because, you know, he's got his podcast or whatever. Oh, man, I don't know how he still gets meaningful minutes, dude. Like, I mean, there was a time where Richard Jefferson was good and one of the best shooting guards in the league, actually, at drawing fouls and getting to the hole. I mean, if the Cavs are relying on him as their sixth man, that's just not going to beat this Warriors team. He's a guy who, as a coach, you trust him. You trust him to make the right play and you trust him to not make a mistake and you trust him to be solid. But that's about it. Like, you're not going to get a, a spark of a maybe like a 20 points off the bench or even a 15 off the bench. Richard Jefferson, his time has passed. It's the Cavaliers need to find something else in terms of a bench. And some people who come to mind, I think when I'm looking at a team like the Rockets, who had some of the best production this year, and then they went and actually got Lou Williams to even increase their bench production even more, someone like that for this Cavaliers team would be so valuable they they really need another score like that imagine a Lou Williams coming off the bench for this team yeah that and that's the thing like they they need more firepower uh off the bench even though they don't have like the big name players coming off the bench I honestly felt like if they made this a bench series where it was like the starters kind of canceled each other out I honestly believe like the Cavs maybe had an advantage there just due to the like the shooting, they'd obviously have one of the stars in the game, like whether it's Kyrie or LeBron. So they'd have someone to get them the ball. And I just felt like if they had turned it into a bench series, they maybe would have more of a chance. But obviously they didn't with at least one of the Cavs star players not playing well in each of the games except mm-hmm. games four. Um, and the Warriors, it was the opposite. All of their four stars pretty much played well every game, whether... It was Clay not shooting well. He was playing great defense and Draymond as well. And then Curry and Durant just gave you what they usually give you every night. When we were talking in one of our other podcasts, we were talking about Clay Thompson and the question of 
is it better for the Warriors if he defends and only scores 10, 15 points? Or he defends okay and gets his 20, 25 plus? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is game four. I mean, when you look at the stat lines, Clay Thompson, his defense didn't shine through like it had. I mean, Kyrie Irving was able to put up 40 points and Klay Thompson was coming off a pretty good shooting game in game three where he sort of bounced back from that slump so maybe he was more focused on his offense when you think about it maybe mentally he was thinking okay I'm back and I'm gonna be looking for my shots tonight instead of I need to focus on defense I need to focus on stopping Kyrie and we saw Klay Thompson's defense is way more valuable than his offense to this Warriors team in this series because Kyrie scoring 40 is not good for the Warriors Klay Thompson overall for this series gets an A for his defense yeah I completely agree with what you said Klay Thompson in my opinion is a superstar because of how great of what everyone else wants now like everyone wants that three and d guy and he's like the poster child of three and d right now um he's not a guy that's gonna you're just gonna hand the ball to isolation and do all that stuff like he needs plays run ran for him like when it comes to defense and shooting like he's literally the poster child of what most if not every well moving on to another topic a hot topic of discussion i guess we got to go there already the legacy the legacy of Kevin Durant, is it tainted? Is it all forgiven because he won a championship for LeBron? Does this help or hurt LeBron's case for being the greatest player of all time? In my opinion, I believe that it doesn't hurt LeBron's legacy because technically he played against the best team in NBA history that added the second best player in the league. So I believe he came in as the underdog coming into the series and it just happened to be the result that everyone knew was going to happen. The fact that he is the first player to average a triple double in the NBA finals, I believe that sort of helps his legacy. Yeah. I was thinking something very similar, but with a couple differences. One is I do think this does not hurt LeBron's legacy. Like you're saying, Obviously, it would have solidified him as the greatest player ever if they had won. I think if they had won, everyone would agree agree. that, I mean, he beat arguably the greatest team of all time. And his talent on his team is, it's it's great, but it's nowhere near the level of this Warriors team. So, like you said, he was the underdog coming in by putting up the type of numbers he did. And they weren't empty numbers, too. In Game 4, they won. Game five, they were up for and contending in the first half very strongly. And in game three, where KD hit that game winner, they were up almost the entire game. If let's say LeBron's team has one or two more guys who can create their own shot, score a few more points, maybe play a little better defense than someone like Kevin Love would or someone off the bench like Kyle Korver would, it could have been a totally different series and not for lack of LeBron. LeBron showed up in every game. I thought when people were criticizing him for his play at the end of game three, that was unfair. He did everything he can. I mean, he's only one man. If he kicks the ball out and the guys don't make a shot, I mean, if it's an open shot, that's not his fault. He, he made the right play. 
someone like Kobe Bryant obviously is going to take that shot with three people on him in that scenario. But you can argue for both cases which one is better. I don't think this takes him out of the running for greatest player of all time either, though. Because I've seen lots of announcers on TV saying LeBron is now like there's no way we can call him the greatest ever because he almost got swept. He, you know, lost to this team. He's what, three and five in the finals now, which is not good. But let's go through all his finals. The first time he went, what happened? He lost. He got swept by the Spurs and he arguably took the worst team in NBA history. Exactly. To the finals. No, I totally agree. So that one, I say that's a wash. Like, I don't fault him for losing that. The only finals that I completely blame him for would be the Dallas one, where he just melted down and, yeah, he didn't show up. I believe that's the only one that you're just like, you know what, LeBron, like, that that one was totally your fault. I mean, the one against the Spurs in 2014, he played, he still averaged 28 points a game on arguably the best defender in the league, uh, Kawhi Leonard. He played great, left, and then went to Cleveland and played Golden State the first year. He lost Kyrie and K-Love in the playoffs. So he was literally by himself. He took the Warriors, or they actually had a 2-1 lead on the Warriors uh, with no Kyrie or K-Love. So he did all he could that one. So that one could basically be a wash as well. And then this one... He averaged a triple-double in the finals. Like, what more do you want the guy to do? When you look at his body of work, all the records he's breaking from scoring, playoff scoring, just his percentages, it's unreal to see how much he helps his team, how much of an impact he has on the entire game. When I think of dominance, it's what LeBron James has been doing as of late. It's He's affecting the game in every way usually their highest rebounder he's usually their assist leader and he's their leader in points on any given night as well triple doubles aren't everything especially when you think about russell westbrook who got plenty of triple doubles this season obviously his team was trying to help him out in terms of the rebounding and probably some of the assists and he he handled the ball so much more LeBron's not out hunting for these things. When you watch him play, it's so seamless. He's just playing the game and getting these numbers. It's unbelievable. So in terms of an all-around impact, like Jordan, he was perfection. He went to the finals. Every time he went to the finals, he won. And it was like almost like this storybook. Like, And he's seen as like a godlike figure that he's untouchable. But LeBron impacts the game in ways Jordan never did in terms of his rebounding, in terms of his assists. Jordan and Kobe are comparable, but I don't think you can compare LeBron to them. And in terms of overall, you were telling me this earlier, overall, as an overall player, as a dominant force affecting the game in more ways than just scoring, you got to go with LeBron. Yeah, and I want to get into that. But let's just save that for what we have in the future. KD, his legacy, you might say there's always going to be that asterisk next to it. He lost to the Warriors last year and he joined the team this year, creating a super team unlike one the league has ever seen. Chose that route instead of staying and trying to build his own team. 
You can say whatever you want, that he hopped on a bandwagon, whatever. The bottom line is he won a championship, and I think five years down the road, will some people remember it? Yes. For the most part, I think it's going to get lost. People are just going to think Kevin Durant won it. Even when you look back at the statistics, you'll look and say he did his part. He was a major contributor, if not the greatest contributor to their success this year. Yeah, took that right out of my mouth. I was going to say Kevin Durant, he didn't deserve this NBA championship, but he definitely earned it. He did a great job in game five when the Cavs looked like they were coming back or were even like getting close to like getting the lead. It would be KD that would hit the big shot to get the Warriors back going. Like, I believe like he only missed one shot mm-hmm. in the second half. He was on fire. And he earned that championship. Nobody can take that away from him. When when I think about this, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is that Kevin Durant, he hit the big shot in Game 3. He was going toe-to-toe with the other team's best player, LeBron James, every time up the floor. Anytime he could, it seemed like Durant was on LeBron in this series. Whereas in other series, in... Even just watching the Cavaliers, a lot of times LeBron was not on KD, but Kevin Durant was guarding him back. He looked like he stepped up to the challenge. And you got to also think that sometimes being the underdog, I mean, most of the time being the underdog is harder, but it's also really hard to have everyone tell you and expect you to be the best and still do it. There's all kinds of people who don't live up to the hype who the pressure's too much for them because it's a different kind of pressure. Now you're not trying to prove everyone wrong. You're trying to prove everyone right. You're trying to like justify why you are who you are, why you're Kevin Durant, why you joined this team. And I mean, if they didn't win this year, oh man, I, I don't even know what the impact that would have had on KD's image. But the fact that they won... I think it gets a lot of it gets washed away. It was still an amazing accomplishment. And um, now that he won one, I think he's definitely in the conversation for the one of the greatest scorers of all time and one of the most versatile players the game's ever seen. Yeah, that's one thing that isn't argued. Him being one of the best scorers of all time. Like He scores so effortlessly. He's just great, man. And even like when LeBron was guarding him, like he was still hitting those shots over him. And like he's so tall, like he's seven foot shooting the ball at the top of his head. And ESPN showed a graphic at the top of his shot. He's shooting uh, at 10 foot three. That That's basically a dunk. Someone would have to dunk the ball to block him, like be in the motion of dunking. And that's just insane. Even though he won the championship, I still don't agree with what he did. I still think he should have stuck it out in Oklahoma one more year and gave Russ and the city one more chance to beat the Warriors and get to the finals and win a championship for them. Um, They were up 3-1 on the same team, and they had every opportunity to beat them, just like the Warriors had every opportunity to beat the Cavs last Mm -hmm. year being up 3-1. But... Um, coming to the Warriors and winning a championship, yeah, it validates his move, but I still believe he should have stayed and gave it one more shot. Well, 
You know, I've been on the other side of this the whole time. I've I'm one who I obviously love the idea of loyalty. Kobe Bryant's my favorite player of all time. He was loyal to LA even though he went through a phase where he wanted out and whatever. But the one thing I want to throw out there is when you think about life and you think about your job and you think about this is their job, this is their life. So let let's throw out a hypothetical here. Let's say you're working for IBM. IBM, a great technology company, one of the best in the world. In this analogy, they're OKC. So he's at IBM. He's got a boss who, you know, they've treated him right. They've never really treated him wrong, but he just feels like there's something more. And then he gets a call from Google. Now, would anyone in their right mind turn down Google? For IBM, Google's known worldwide as one of the best companies to work for. Um, they're always on the Forbes list of one of the best top 100 companies to work for. And in that sense, they're like the Warriors here. The Warriors are a premier team in the NBA. Their organization is top of the line. Player development is unmatched right now. And if you're Kevin Durant from a business standpoint, stay at IBM, stay in OKC, or get promoted and go to Google, it's a no-brainer if you're out in the workforce. You're you're not loyal to IBM. You say, you know what? This was great. Thank you for the opportunity. But there's bigger and better things out there for me. And I think that's what Kevin Durant did ultimately. And it's hard to fault a guy for doing something like that because your average man, if he did that, you'd be saying, congratulations. You'd be saying, congrats, man. I'm so happy for you. You got a better job. This is a great opportunity for your career. When you look at it like that, it's it's hard to knock Kevin Durant for his decision. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything that you say. And I believe that he made the right decision at the end of the day to go to Golden State. I don't know. I just just as a competitor, I just believe that he shouldn't have gone to the team that he just lost mm-hmm. to being up 3-1. Like, that to me personally like that would just make me hate them rather than want to join them like i would work the whole summer just i want to beat them just like when he said after uh winning the championship last night he was like ever since i lost in 2012 i've only been eyeing lebron well this past summer you should have been eyeing golden state to beat them in the first round you know what i mean so that's that's just my view about it did he, did he make the right decision? Yeah, he did. He won championship. He's finals MVP. He'll be remembered for this finals. And this team will be remembered if they continue to win and be in the finals. Adding on to that is when you think about a player's mentality, you think about the Kobe and Jordan mentalities versus the KD and LeBron mentalities. Kobe, he early in his career had a few chances, hit some game winners air bottom. He came up short to AI. He even said this in some interviews that AI is one player who fueled him to get in the gym and work harder and harder. Kobe didn't say, you know what, I'm going to go join AI. Why don't I do that? Instead of doing that, he chose to work that much harder and become arguably the greatest shooting guard of all time. Now you look at Michael Jordan, he had the same thing. You know, he was constantly getting beat down by the Pistons, the Celtics in his early years. Michael still got his numbers, but, you know, he didn't say, oh, I want to go to the Celtics now. I want to go to the the Pistons now. I can't beat them, so I might as well join them. No, you're right. He did not do that. He 
stepped his game up, worked that much harder, management worked harder, got him some better players, and they ended up putting on one of probably the greatest run in NBA history with those six championships. But then when you look at KD, it's the exact opposite. He got beat and said, you know what, this other team, everything's better there. I might as well go to the better side. He chose quality of life. He chose, I guess you could say, an easier route where he'd be surrounded by more like-minded individuals who want to share the ball. I think a better passing team, they share the ball more. They're more humble, I'd say, than some of the guys in OKC. Um, I don't know them personally, but based on the way they play, you know, Russell Westbrook and KD, it almost seemed like they were competing against each other at times. Whereas on this team, he's happy to say, Steph, you do what you do because he knows Steph will pass him the ball when he's open. LeBron, same thing in Cleveland. You know, he couldn't get over the hump. Him, it was more of management's thing. I think they weren't willing to put the players around him, go over the luxury tax even for a little bit. Yes. Dan Gilbert's always been like that. LeBron said, you know what? I can't beat him. I got to go somewhere else. I got to I gotta create something. I got to go to a better organization. And he went to Pat Riley and with D. Wade, his buddy, and they figured it out. So those clashing characteristics of the LeBrons and Kevin Durant's and the Kobe's and Michael Jordan's of grit down, play harder, practice more, I want to beat you, or, you know, why am I trying so hard? Why work harder when I can work smarter, go somewhere else where it's easier? I think it's all about our generations. Millennials, we have this mentality of uh, quality of life. The old style used to be during the times of Jordan and I'd say Kobe kind of even copied that in a lot of ways is I'm a man I'm gonna do this myself I don't need help I think nowadays that's not as that's not as necessary in life it's anyone can do it and you don't need to struggle when you can reach out for help so I think that's where they derive their values from yeah and I think one of the things that also plays a factor into this I believe that the talent in today's NBA is a lot different and I would say better to fit this style of play than I would say the era back in Jordan and Kobe's early career. Most teams now have a superstar. Uh, most teams now have maybe one or two Hall of Famers mm-hmm. and some teams have more. You know what I mean? I don't think that teams in the 90s from 90 through I'd say 2000. I don't think that teams had that. Really, the first team to pioneer this was the Celtics when they traded for Ray Allen and KG. No one really talks about that, but I think that was the first like super team. LeBron played against them, and he couldn't beat them by himself, and he tried to get the Cavs to get him better players around him, and they didn't do that, and so he left and went to Miami. Now, when he went to Miami and when KD went to Golden State, I think those are two totally different situations. When LeBron went to the Heat, they, yeah, they had two other superstars, but Mm -hmm. they kind of had to start from scratch. And the only difference with that and KD's situation is KD went to a team that just broke the record for most regular season wins in a regular season. So... He went to a team that was already established and all he had to do was just sacrifice a little bit and just fit in. And that's what makes them so great. One thing I might say in 
and to contradict that is when you think about what LeBron joined, he joined forces with Bosch and Wade. It was a guarantee that that team was going to be a contender, though. Granted, he wasn't just plugged in like KD was, but everyone knew that that team was going to be the premier team in the East in the same sense as what KD did with the Warriors. The Heat weren't already one of the best teams before they joined, but them three joining made them the best team. And the Warriors, they grew organically until they got Kevin Durant. They totally drafted Klay Thompson, drafted Curry, drafted Draymond, drafted Harrison Barnes who left, Festus Azili who left. They had drafted him too and developed him. I think that team, the combination of Curry, Clay, and KD, you could say was similar to Wade, Bosch, and Braun in the sense that let's flip the roles here. If Clay, Curry, and KD hopped on a plane, drove to Brooklyn right now, we'd instantly think they're a top contender in the East. And if Braun just joined the Warriors, they're instantly a contender without KD. So I think in in a lot of ways, they're interchangeable in what they did in that one team was made into a super team by both moves. LeBron left his team, created a super team in Miami. Kevin Durant left his team and created a super team on the Warriors. The Warriors weren't a super team before him. They were a great team all time because they played like a team. They weren't a super team. Just think back to the Pistons, the 0405 Pistons, where they had Rashid, they had Chauncey, they had Ben Wallace, they had Rip Hamilton, all all stars. Four all stars on one team. And Tayshawn Prince was, he was no slouch. That guy arguably could have been an all star. He might have been an all star one year. Not positive. There have been teams like this before with great, a, a high number of all stars. So I think when, when people talk about super teams and people talk about, you know, people teaming up together. I think All-Stars doesn't necessarily correlate with with everything. I mean, we saw a few years ago, the Hawks, didn't they have four All-Stars? And they were terrible <laughs> in the playoffs. So I, I just don't know. I think LeBron and KD's move was fairly similar. Um, he, did, he did join a team, and it was a little more plug-in, whereas instead of starting from scratch. But regardless, they created a super team nonetheless yeah i agree with that in terms of they both were on super the heat started out nine and eight that year and then it took like an amazing lebron game back in cleveland for them to turn turn around and mm-hmm. pick up where they were supposed to be as to golden state they started off great um mm-hmm. they only lost 15 games all year the heat were actually they never got the one seed until their third year together well let me let me ask you this so if the heat a year earlier had gotten Bosch and everyone else who came over when lebron did without lebron let's say they have Bosch and wade playing together for a season then lebron comes the next year you think they win that year first year lebron comes because they're they've had more time together i don't know i don't know if they would win because of their style of plays d wade needed the ball 
LeBron needed the ball, Bosch needed the ball. So I think that their style of play made it where they had to start from scratch as to the Warriors where they're motion offense, like they're always moving the ball, they're screening, they're doing all this stuff, and all you need is shooters. That's where I said like KD had to sacrifice a little bit to where he didn't have to ball all the time. But if he's coming off of screens and he's a seven foot shooter, mm-hmm. um, the game becomes a lot easier to him. And it's a lot easier for the other guys as well. So that's where I mean that he came into a team and all they had to do was plug him in and play. Like his skill set fit exactly what they wanted to do. As to LeBron, D-Wade, and Bosh, they're three guys that were alpha dogs on three different teams. And they just came together and were like, all right, let's figure it out. Like, let's, well, first year they kind of butted heads and then. After that first year, D-Wade decided, okay, mm-hmm. well, you know what? I'm going to learn how to play off the ball a lot more. Um, Bosch extended his range to the three-point line and became a better shooter, and that's what made them work. Okay, so one of the last points we're going to get to today, um, I just wanted to throw this out there because I think it's something that goes unnoticed a lot of times, but it's what LeBron has done with the coaches he's done it with. When you think about who Kobe and Jordan and even Bill Russell and Kareem, the coaches they played for, we're talking Hall of Fame coaches. We're talking Phil Jackson, who's the greatest mastermind um, at the coaching position with the triangle offense. He had a whole system down and everything. And you look at LeBron, who, especially last year, took the team. They were down 3-1 with Tyron Lue as the head coach like no offense Tyron Lue I respect you you worked your way up you deserve it but LeBron is the alpha of this team you know even when you think about Jordan and Kobe Phil was in control he's on the sideline whistling at him telling him what to do in this Ty Lue doesn't really tell LeBron what to do LeBron tells everyone else what to do he picked up Kyrie and K-Love out of the gutters and took them to show them exactly what winning is like and that just adds to his legacy with what he's done in terms of being a leader his leadership is off the charts it's definitely different than like a Kobe Bryant's leadership he leads by example he's the first one to make a pass and he's like you know I'm in the gym every day. Why can't you be? I, I just wanted to throw that in there. I don't know what you think, but I mean, when you when you look at his coaches and Mike Brown, Spolstra, who great coach, he'll go down in the Hall of Fame eventually for what he did. But, you know, he's not he's not Phil Jackson and Ty Lue's nowhere even in the conversation. Yes, I completely agree with everything you just said. I don't really count Eric Spolstra as much as um, the others because he had Pat Riley behind his ear. So could we say that he was coached by the, or Pat Riley or not? But that's just something that we're just going to have to wait to hear about in our next installment. Yes, we'll definitely get into that more because I know we, we both have a lot to say on that. Thanks for being here, Rod. We really appreciate it. I love being here, man. Guys, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. Once again, the website, bonafidebasketball.com. Find us on iTunes. Find us on Google Play. Find us on Podbean. Basically anywhere, YouTube, you can think of, you'll find us. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Stay tuned.